episode 20, How to Disagree Without Ruining Your Relationships. This is the Expat Mom Podcast, a podcast for expat moms around the world who want to feel better and improve their emotional health as they navigate the unique challenges of living and mothering abroad. I'm your host, Jenny Linton. I'm a certified life coach, a mom to four daughters, and married to a U.S. diplomat. I've lived in six countries on four continents. I know what it's like to feel stuck emotionally, and I know how to get unstuck. I'm excited to share with you some tools to help you feel less discouraged, improve your relationships, and increase your confidence. Welcome back to the podcast. Welcome to all of those of you who listen every week, and also welcome to those of you who are new here. We're going to be diving into a topic that I think is particularly relevant for the holiday season. When we are traveling to visit family, we're interacting more with people, whether that's virtually or in person. And the more interaction we have, the more likelihood there is that we are going to disagree on some things. And I want to offer you some strategies to navigate disagreement as a way to actually feel closer to someone rather than to divide you from them. So I want to start with a story that um, someone shared with me recently. So one sister was making plans to go and visit her father. They had, as a family, actually lost their mother about six months previous. And this woman hadn't seen her dad since COVID-19 had started. And she really wanted to support him for the holidays, knowing this would be a difficult time without their mom. And she was um, in the process of making plans when she received a text from her sister And the other sister was feeling angry because she had heard about sister number one's plans to go and visit her father, but she was concerned because her father is high risk for complications from COVID-19 because of his age. And she expressed her concerns and asked the sister not to go home. Sister number two said she wasn't planning to go home because she didn't want to risk infecting her father. And she was really worried about sister number one going home because sister number one lived in an era with a lot of cases of COVID-19. As they texted back and forth, the text became more heated, and sister number two even sent a text to sister number one saying, choose Zoom, not funerals. Sister number one felt like this was really unfair, and she felt defensive, and she felt like sister number one was being unfair and maybe jumping to conclusions, and she felt like maybe her motives were being questioned about why she was going. She felt like sister number two was saying that she was selfish for visiting and that Maybe she wasn't uh, considering her father's needs. And sister number one felt frustrated at sister number two, feeling like, hey, I feel like you're unfairly judging me. And sister number one started judging sister number two, like, don't you care about our dad's emotional health? Just because he has physical risks doesn't mean he doesn't have emotional risks. Sister number two is feeling so frustrated and helpless because she's looking at the numbers and worrying about the risk of her father getting sick and thinking, gosh, You are prioritizing his emotional needs when his physical needs are the most acute right now, and you are putting him at risk for the rest of us and feeling like um, the other sister was selfishly prioritizing her own needs and her own interests above her father's health. I think the feelings and experiences from this sister's exchange is something many of us can relate to, whether it's just seeing a friend on social media who has different political opinions or whether it's someone close to you who feels really opposite about how to handle COVID-19 precautions, or whether it's disagreeing with people in your community about whether kids should be in school right now or how to handle certain policies. There are a number of hot-button issues right now. 
And I think the holidays are a perfect storm that often bring them to a head because we have to then make decisions and we're with other people. And sometimes our choices and opinions affect other people. Disagreement is natural and healthy. In fact, sometimes disagreement and discussion and compromise can often get to a better solution than either side had originally proposed. Sometimes disagreement can even become the catalyst for people to be able to discuss things that are important to them. Disagreement can be a powerful way to learn and to challenge your own thinking. Actually, it can also be a way to draw closer to other people. However, disagreement only becomes a problem when it begins to divide families, friendships, and communities. What do you do when people you love have feelings and beliefs contrary to your own? I know a few months ago, I was surprised to be on Facebook and see someone that I love so much promoting a candidate for politics and laying out their reasons why. I felt exactly the opposite and was planning to vote for the opposite candidate. I found myself thinking about this person that I love and feeling sad about it. I was concerned that someone I loved believed and felt this way. And I almost felt like it was my responsibility to at least share my perspective as well. The more I thought about it, the more worried and stressed I became and even began to feel a little bit anxious about what I should do. If I'm completely honest with myself, I think there was some parts of me that thought, oh, that person's misinformed or they don't have all the information. If they did, they might feel differently. And I think I found myself judging them a little bit. Anytime we move into these kinds of experiences of judging other people or feeling like they should be different, we create division. Even if it's not something overt, we are creating division in the relationship and the image that we have of someone else. It's the division, not the disagreement that's dangerous. In this podcast, we're going to explore how to fiercely disagree with someone you love without feeling angry or judgmental towards the other person or feeling like you have to avoid them or be silent. Before we jump into our topic, I want to let you know that I offer a free class for expat moms on how to feel better as an expat. You can get it by clicking on the link in the show notes, or you can visit my webpage, theexpatmom.com. On it, I share three tools that can help you feel better immediately as an expat. Whether you're someone who's doing fine, but you want to feel amazing, or maybe you're someone who feels overwhelmed and discouraged, and you want to feel more peace and contentment, this course is for you. It comes with a one-page worksheet to help you apply what you learn right away. I'm excited to share with you some of the tools that have helped me feel so much better as an expat mom. So let's jump into our topic. First of all, let's discuss why it's even worth engaging with others on difficult topics that can create contention. Why not just stay silent or avoid it? The truth is sometimes we can't avoid talking about it. For example, if you need to agree with somebody about something, you are likely going to have some conflict over it if you disagree. In the example with the two sisters that I shared at the beginning, both felt like they had to come to an agreement because it was both of their dad that was at risk if the one sister went to visit. So in a situation where we have to make a decision, we're inevitably going to have some level of disagreement and conflict if we see things differently. Knowing how to navigate that difficulty can allow both sides to feel heard and both sides to be able to contribute their perspective so that we can come up with a better solution in the end. And most importantly, so we don't ruin our relationships in the process. Even if you don't have to come to some sort of consensus or decision, 
When you avoid talking about things, it doesn't necessarily mean that you avoid disconnection in your relationship. In fact, sometimes staying silent can create more disconnection because our minds continue to think about the other person and their beliefs. For example, if these sisters had not addressed their issues with each other about what they thought about visiting their dad, they might've continued to feel resentment and irritation towards each other. Sometimes it's important to communicate so we can talk through things and understand better how the other person feels. Humans are wonderful at reading each other. And so sometimes when we don't communicate verbally, we are communicating non-verbally, whether that's by not communicating at all or through our body language. Other humans can often tell that we're bugged. And sometimes when we notice somebody is bothered with us, our imagination goes wild. Sometimes we even assume that the other person is more bugged at us than they really are. It's even possible that our perception of the other person's ideas or intentions are inaccurate. Either way, we're suffering and feeling divided from the other person, sometimes unnecessarily, even when we're not talking to them. And the last reason it's important to connect when it comes to disagreements is that actually meaningful connection can come from sorting through things that we disagree on. It can help us to explore ideas and learn from each other. In fact, Malcolm Gladwell talks about a principle called groupthink. All of us do have some distortion in our thoughts. And so the more we expose ourselves to different opinions and points of view, we often get closer to the truth and closer to better ideas. Collaboration and synergy when it comes to ideas can cause us to increase the love and connection in our relationships. Also, the more we take time to understand each other and to listen and to love each other, we can feel closer to one another. It's really worth taking some time to think about how to disagree without ruining your relationships. I want to share three ways that we can disagree fiercely without changing our mind, but also without ruining our relationships. Number one, separate the person from the idea. When we believe something, we often equate our own identity with what we believe. For example, if we have a strong religious belief, we might define that belief in statements like, I'm a Catholic or I'm a Buddhist. If we have strong political views, we might say, I'm a Republican or I'm a Democrat. In this way, what we believe becomes part of our identity, how we define ourselves. It also helps us understand others. We label them by what they believe as a way of identifying, sorting, and grouping people. So it makes sense that we naturally interpret the things that other people say or do as an outgrowth of who they are, rather than think of their ideas as separate from the person. However, just because this is common, does not mean this is helpful. Judging someone's character or identity based on a political view, an opinion about whether or not to wear a mask, an opinion about whether or not to come to a gathering, how they make parenting decisions, or their opinion on a variety of topics is dangerous. The reason this is dangerous and divisive is that usually we judge their words or actions based on our own perspectives. We assume their motives based on the way that we see things, and often our interpretation of the other person's motives are wrong. In the example I shared at the beginning of the podcast with the two sisters, 
Each sister viewed the other sister's actions through their own lens of beliefs. Sister number two assumed that sister number one was acting out of selfishness. This is because from her perspective, she viewed COVID-19 as a very dangerous disease that could probably take the life of their father if he was to contract the disease. So traveling and spending time with their father from a place where COVID-19 was high seemed selfish. She acknowledged her father's emotional needs, but felt that they could be adequately addressed from afar. This sister felt the most loving thing to do was to love him from afar and protect his physical health and take precautions. However, the other sister saw the situation differently. She also viewed COVID-19 as a concern, but she viewed her father's emotional needs as an equally concerning problem. She did not see that the father's emotional needs could be addressed from afar. This was his first year without his wife at home during the holidays, and she was concerned about her father's emotional health. In her mind, she felt that the risk of infection was worth the emotional support that she could offer her dad during this tender time. Sister number one assumed that sister number two was being short-sighted and not considering all of her dad's needs. She thought her sister was only considering the physical ones because each sister was viewing the other through their own lens rather than the lens of their sister. They made assumptions about the other's character that they were being selfish. They attached their words and their actions to who the other person was as a person. Once we judge the other person as somehow uncredible, selfish, or rude, we feel more justified in dismissing their ideas and even being rude to them. This is why, as they exchanged texts, the texts heated up and the sisters began to get more and more angry at each other. In this particular circumstance, it was unlikely that either sister was going to change their mind. They simply disagreed. This wasn't the problem. The problem was that each of them had now begun to see each other in a negative light. This caused division in their relationship. One of the things I loved about this story was what happened next. The sister who received the text was saying something to the effect of choose Zoom and not funerals, took a moment and paused. She didn't want to respond out of anger. So she asked a friend what she thought that she should respond. And the friend replied, what if we step back and take a look at her motive? Why is she saying this? The brain's most immediate response might be something like, oh, because she's selfish. But actually... When we step back and look at the motive of each sister, we recognize that their motives are good. And in fact, ironically, both sisters have the same motive. Their motive is to take care of their dad. They disagree about how to do it. And they both believe that there's a lot at stake if they don't do it in the way that they feel is right. But approaching this from the perspective that each person has a negative motive means that in addition to the frustration that we disagree, we've now added a layer of frustration against each other. As sister number one realized that both of them had the same motive, her love for her sister melted away some of the judgment and anger and frustration she was feeling towards her sister. They still disagreed, but they, she didn't have to add all of the anger to the equation because she could see that her sister was operating from good intentions just like she was. I really believe that most people are doing the best they can given their circumstances and the knowledge that they have. Sometimes their best looks pretty awful to us. However, when we see what they're doing and thinking as their best, it can change our perception of them. I had an interesting discussion with someone about politics recently. 
They voted for one candidate and I voted for a different candidate in the election. We both felt passionate about our reasons for voting as we did. And we felt some confusion about why the other person would choose what they did. As we talked, I began to understand her reasons for voting the way she did. They were different than the reasons I had assumed she had voted the way she had. While I still didn't agree with the way she voted, and I wouldn't have changed my vote, understanding her why helped me change the way that I saw her. I had assumed her why based on articles I had read and based on the why of other people voting for that candidate. But I was wrong about her reasons, and I could better respect her and her decisions when we talked because I could see that her motives were good. When we can't agree, we can take a step back and look at the other person's motives. This helps us see the person as separate from their ideas. This way, we can dislike their ideas, but still like the person. The second way to fiercely disagree with someone without ruining your relationship is to stop thinking in terms of either or. When we approach politics or COVID or parenting or any decision with the frame that opposite ideas are either right or wrong or good or bad, it sets us up to see ourselves as the hero and the other person as the villain because they are wrong and we are right. It also makes it hard to change our views because if they are wrong and we are right, why would we want to spend time hearing their perspective? This frame of good or bad, right or wrong is not useful and it's not really accurate when we're discussing different opinions. This doesn't mean there isn't good or bad or right or wrong in the world. It simply means that all of us have distortions in the way that we see the world. And so one person's opinion is not likely to be good or bad. It's likely to be an opinion. Issues like a political candidate, a global pandemic, policies about racism, religious ideas, parenting, money, etc. are rich with complexity. It would be difficult to boil any of these topics down to one simple answer. The best answers and solutions are often multifaceted. Actually, disagreement can be a gift to help us explore the complexities of an issue and to find more comprehensive solutions if we are willing to set aside the idea of one person being good and one person being bad, one candidate being right and one candidate being wrong when it comes to the big issues we want to solve. If we go back to our example about the two sisters, both sisters introduced some important concerns in wanting to take care of their dad. They saw his needs from two different but valuable perspectives. The truth is neither was right or wrong. They were simply different. And if they were willing to see and hear each other and their reasons, maybe they could have gotten to a space where they could brainstorm how to meet their dad's physical and emotional needs. For example, maybe they could have taken turns and decided to call their dad each day over Zoom. Maybe they could have ordered in food for him or had a special memorial virtually for their mom. Or maybe they could have the sister who wanted to go be tested for COVID first. And even if she was negative, maybe she could wear a surgical mask when she got close to her dad. There were probably a variety of ways the sisters could have addressed both of their dad's physical and emotional needs. Solutions are better when we have multiple perspectives. When we stop thinking about opinions as right and wrong, and instead think of them as interesting data points that help us solve a problem, we don't have to view the other person as bad or good, and we don't have to view ourselves as bad or good. It makes it easier to be open-minded and to use our creativity to solve the problem. It also sets us up as on the same team rather than on opposite sides. We may still disagree, but we can come together to find a creative solution rather than pitting ourselves against each other as enemies. 
The third key I found to disagreeing without being disagreeable is tossing my agenda to change the other person's mind. This seems like such a lovely thing to do. In fact, sometimes I felt compelled like it's my responsibility to change the other person's mind. When we believe something and feel passionate about it, we naturally want other people to agree with us, especially when we're making a decision that affects others. Our differences come to a head and we have a compelling reason to convince someone so we can get what we want. But if you stop and think for a minute, does trying to convince someone of something work very often? In my experience, it rarely works unless the person is open and wants to learn. In fact, I find that the opposite is often true. The other person may become more entrenched in their beliefs when they are challenged because the brain automatically defends what it already believes. In the example with the two sisters, one sister sending the text saying, choose Zoom, not funerals, was probably intended to convince the other sister not to visit their dad. It was trying to highlight the gravity of the situation. But instead, it caused the other sister to feel hurt and angry. Immediately, she wanted to defend her own point of view. We also want to convince other people for another reason. We want to prove to ourselves that we're right. Having others agree with us gives us a small hit of validation. But does having others' validation really validate our righteousness? After all, it's possible for entire nations to agree to make choices that are deleterious to themselves and the world. In addition to rarely being successful, trying to convince others has another problem. It often drives a wedge between you and the person you're trying to convince. The more you push them, the more you push them away. And the more you pull them, the more you pull yourself away. You begin thinking things like, how can they think that way? Why can't they see it this way? They're so naive, or they're so ignorant, or they just don't understand, or they're so stubborn. All of these judgments can cause us to feel contention with others. This doesn't mean you stop sharing your opinion, and it doesn't mean you change your mind. It simply means that you're much more effective at conveying information when you change the motive behind sharing it. Rather than trying to convince the other person, you share it from a place of love and simply trying to share your opinion and understand theirs. A friend of mine recently said, the opposite of love is not anger, it's indifference. Refusing to engage in conversations or share how we feel or find out how someone else feels can be indifference. Loving fiercely means disagreeing fiercely sometimes, but it's possible to disagree and love each other the whole time. When you share your opinion with an agenda to convince someone, it often takes on a condescending tone that causes the other person to feel less than or patronized. In addition, if the other person isn't convinced, you lose if they don't change their mind. This is frustrating and the bad feelings are often transferred to how you feel about the other person. When you share your opinion with an agenda of exploring together or sharing some insights you've had from a spirit of curiosity, exploration, and humility, then the other person can receive that information in a much more palatable manner. In addition, if the other person doesn't agree, you can still be successful. You added to the dialogue, you shared your perspective. You also created space for the other person to see another viewpoint from a non-threatening perspective. And you created space that the other person can share their perspective. Hopefully you expanded your viewpoint as well. I'm pretty guilty of trying to convince. I was talking to a friend recently about politics and went off sharing some of my impassioned political views, hoping to convince them to change their perspective. Rather than exploring together or the other person agreeing or thinking me, 
the other person clammed up and changed the topic. This was a really good reminder to me that trying to convince people rarely works and it often sabotages our relationships. I called this person back and during our conversation, I really tried to approach it with curiosity. I sincerely wanted to understand where this person was coming from. It was interesting and helpful to see how this person viewed things. She told me later that our conversation had inspired her to explore some alternative political perspectives. Here was the part I found fascinating. She said, it was your openness and willingness to listen to a different perspective that inspired me to explore a variety of news sources and to look into some of the issues more. I learned a lot from her comment. It wasn't what I said or some argument that I made. It was simply a willingness to understand that caused her to be willing to explore some different perspectives. Ironically, sometimes getting rid of our agenda to convince somebody else can be the very thing that allows them to feel comfortable to open up and actually listen. But regardless of whether the other person decides to change or not change, being willing to get rid of our agenda to change the other person allows us to agree and discuss without all of the contention. In summary, there are three ways to disagree fiercely with someone that you love without creating division in your relationship or without avoiding the issues altogether. Number one, separate the person from the idea. One way to do this is to ask yourself what the other person's motives are. Number two, stop framing the issue in terms of either or or good or bad. Remind yourself that most issues are complex and that most people have some distortion in the way that they see things. Exploring both sides is likely to get us closer to the best answer than either side by itself. Number three, get rid of your agenda to convince the other person. Approach discussions from a spirit of humility and curiosity. As you think about the holidays and getting together with loved ones, challenge yourself not to shy away from meaningful conversations about things that are important to you. But before you engage, manage your mind and get clear about your goal of exploration, understanding, and sharing, rather than ranting, convincing, or shaming. Think about a conversation you'd like to have and someone you'd like to have it with this holiday season. Remind yourself that the other person is separate from their ideas. You can still love them, even if you don't like their ideas. Remind yourself to look for their motives, not just their words. Remind yourself that you don't have the corner on all the truth and good in the world. The other person likely has some very important insights. And approach the conversation with curiosity rather than just the goal to convince. If you'd like help navigating a difficult relationship or a difficult conversation, I'd love to help. Sign up for a free 30-minute mini coaching session with me. You can click the link in the bio or you can visit my website at theexpatmom.com forward slash schedule. You might be thinking, I've never done coaching before. I don't really know what to expect. Coaching is actually a lot of fun. I picture it kind of like you're sitting on the couch with a wise older sister or aunt, and you look at your mind together. You see what's in there and decide what's useful and what isn't. Often with a simple perspective shift, you can approach your relationships in a very different way. I tell people to come with an issue or a situation in mind that they'd like to work on, and I'll take care of the rest. You just show up and I'll guide you through. I'm looking forward to meeting you. I'll talk to you next time. If you'd like help applying the tools you're learning on this podcast, sign up for a free private 30 minute mini coaching session on any topic you'd like help on. You can schedule it on my website, theexpatmom.com 
forward slash schedule. Also, if you like this podcast, please leave us a review on iTunes to help other people find it. Thanks again for listening and we'll see you next time.